Today's show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash real. And our last sponsor today is also brought to you by Stamps.com. Get a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale when you go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Enter the code LASTS. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week, real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had, some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things, and maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. Hey guys, Jeff here. We're going to do something fun today. A lot of you guys don't know, but me and Alyssa are part of three different podcasts. We have the Real Life Podcast you're listening to right now. And then for family teams, me and Jeremy do the 5-Minute Fatherhood Daily Podcast. And then we have another one called Dad's Building Teams, where me and Jeremy will interview other fathers, long form, deep dive on how they go about uh, building their multi-generational family teams. And so we thought we would guest post one of those today. I was able and uh, uh, to have the privilege of interviewing Craig Rochelle and his daughter, Mandy. They're incredible. They're amazing. Their story is awesome for the Dad's Building Teams podcast a few months ago. And we wanted to show you guys what that was like. It's encouraging whether you're a parent or not. I think you will be blessed by this. And so hope you enjoy. We have a special guest today, or should I say guest, which is actually what makes it really special. Very excited. We have Craig Groeschel and his daughter, Mandy. How are you guys doing? Hey, Jeff. We're doing great, man. Thank you for having us on. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on. Real quick, just for people that don't know, which I don't know, are they a Christian that lives in a cave, who you guys are? Um, what do you guys, you know, who are you? Introduce your family team real quick, um, you know, and uh, and just yeah, talk about that real quick. So, Mandy, I'll let you go first. You can... Introduce yourself. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really honored to get to be part of this alongside of my dad. This is really the first time that we've done this kind of thing together, so it's really That's fun cool. to get to do that. But my name is Mandy Meehan. I am married to my amazing husband, James. We've been married for about two and a half years, and I serve alongside him um, at our church. He's the youth, the youth pastor at one of our locations, and I love getting to support him um, in youth ministry and all that we do at the church. But um, so for me, over the last two and a half years, actually, it all started right whenever I was getting married. I've been dealing Mm. with pretty debilitating chronic illness. So really, that's kind of been my life. As of recently, I've been working on recovering from that, and it's been a total roller coaster of a journey and um, just really having to grow in a lot of areas because of that. And um, I ended up, I was working at the church for a while as a youth pastor and ended up having to step away from that due to health challenges. So at this point, I'm, I started making YouTube videos and really have been doing ministry there and educating people about health, but also Jesus and how to have hope in hard times. And through awesome. all of that, I that led me to um, to really have a passion for health and wellness and how it can be hard to love and lead well if we're not well. And I believe that God wants us to be well. So I'm right now studying to become a nutritional therapy practitioner. So that's a little bit about me. And then I'm child of that's the king, awesome. child yeah, of the Yeah, real quick guy, before but... Craig jumps in, I didn't know you were a YouTuber. Got to subscribe. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then secondly, we actually, on my our Mind and Alyssa's other podcast, Real Life Podcast, we just had Danielle Walker on. Have you heard of her? She's like yes. against all Uh she's incredible she's a friend um and yeah it seems like similar how sometimes these journeys we take can take us on a journey towards food and nutrition and just our bodies and all these different things and like she yeah went through the ringer of a lot of things that were really difficult that put her on a certain journey so Mm -hmm. that's really cool that you're taking taking that path with it i think for sure that's yeah. awesome. So, uh, all right, Craig, introduce yourself, but then also the rest of the team real quick. Yeah, I so think five, six kids, I think. Yep, Am I right? Yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the proud dad of Mandy and a total of six kids. I've got two married daughters. I've got a third daughter that is engaged and uh, will be married this summer. She's and, not actually engaged yet. Uh, so. Yeah, well, we, oh, we, it's we, one of those, like, so, you know it's coming and it's, so everyone's we, just yes, waiting. Let, let, let me put it this way. We've put the deposit down on the wedding chapel. And so oh, I look told, at that. 
lots I of plans. Told the What's guy, like, what the guy doing in that situation? Her, like, Come on, get that ball he's rolling. He's on the line, man. Produce the ring quick. So we're actually pretending they're True. engaged, even though technically they're not. And it's then, <laughs> and then I've got uh, two more sons at home and another daughter at home. And so we've got six kids. I've been married for. Uh, going on 28 years to my best friend Amy, and then 23 years ago we started Life Church in uh, based out of Oklahoma, and have been passionately building that church ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so give me the range real quick. I think Mandy, you're one of the oldest, and so what's the youngest? What's the oldest? So Katie is 20. What? 24. 20. Oldest is 24, mm-hmm. and uh, Joy is my baby, and she's 14, going on 20. Okay, man, six and 10 years. That's that's pretty fast. In six. I mean, was that planned? Was that, I mean, we want to have six, but I feel like that's 15 in American Western <laughs> culture now. You know what I mean? Like, six, I always tell people like six, a hundred years ago was literally a tiny family and you didn't have enough people to work the farm. Now it's literally like, can you go to a restaurant even without getting, you know? So how'd you guys get to six? Yeah, it, one at a time. And, and we were not planning on it <laughs> at all. We, uh, we, were, we were planning on having two kids and we had uh, two girls. And so we thought, well, maybe we'll try for a son. We had a third daughter. And so we thought, well, well, we'll try one more time. We had a son. By that point, it was so crazy. We thought we might as well just keep going. And so we had, <laughs> had a couple more after that. And we, we never intended to, uh, to have a big family like that, mm-hmm. but we're grateful every day that we did. That's awesome. Yeah, I, ha- I have heard. We just had our third a couple weeks ago. Lucy, big Narnia fan. That's why we named her that. Um, but we're not going to have a Mr. <laughs> Tumnus. That'd be weird. Um, <laughs> yes. But I heard, um, yeah, I heard there's kind of a threshold you, you reach around three or four where it's like, eh, you can just keep them coming, especially because around that time, then usually the oldest is kind of helping, I've heard. So I heard it's kind of the craziest right now, but also we're you know about to reach that helpful stage where it kind of starts uh, being a little bit more efficient, I guess you could call it. I've, I've heard from a lot of parents. So, okay. Um, I just want to jump right into it. And I want both you guys to kind of answer this one. I think what I was so excited to talk to you guys about. So we're really big on this podcast and really big with our family teams initiative we have online with courses and books, et cetera, is trying to compel parents, compel families that the vision for scripture is a multi-generational family team on mission, right? That I think in the Western world, we so much kind of hit the reset button every generation, like, yeah, go out and find yourself and do your thing and restart. When literally 200 years ago, if you did that, you would die because your parents have all the assets and the cattle and the land. That's just not how it worked back then. It never has. So we're in such a weird culture where we're one of the only cultures that can do that weird reset thing rather than a 200-year legacy, a long legacy, a last name that actually lasts. Um, And... I feel like with, but but sadly, what, what I think happens, especially a lot of dads message, uh, listening and messaging us in ministry, there seems to almost be a heightened sense of whether you want to call it competition or tension or struggle of building a family versus building a church, building a family team versus building an incredible church team, right? So how have you guys kind of walked through that? Has there ever been tension there? I'd love to hear both the parent and, the, um, and, and Mandy, your perspective, but whether that was early on in the church or now, how have you guys, it's basically to in my perspective, you guys seem a little bit like an anomaly of it sadly doesn't seem to be successful church, successful family all the time. Right. How, how did you do that? How'd you guys get there? I, I, you know, I'd be lying if I told you we were totally intentional and got it right all the time. I, I will say though, I'm pretty proud of where things are right now. For example, my oldest daughter is on staff. Mandy was on staff until she couldn't be. My next two coming up are very um, interested in being serving the church. And then the three young men that will be married to my daughters are, are all on staff as well. And so there's a real love, not only for Jesus, but there's a love for his bride, the church. And that's something that we were, we were intentional about early on is never making the church a competing entity against the family or the family a competing entity against the church. And so we were real careful not to make language like, oh my gosh, we have to go to church. What we tried to mm. do is we tried to make the, the, the help the kids be a contributing part of the church early on and let it be their ministry, not just our ministry. And so mm-hmm. I would do little things like when they'd come up there to say, let's all go see if you can find trash on the ground, clean up, and then we're going to celebrate with a soft drink because we don't drink soft drinks. But what, mm-hmm. I, what I wanted them to do is I wanted them to contribute in some way so they were getting ownership. And then I wanted there to be something special is, is you know, a seven-year-old getting a soft drink when you don't get it anywhere else means this is a fun place I want to be. When they got mm-hmm. older, what we did is like Saturday night is family night at church. And so the rule kind of was you have to bring a friend and so this is a place that 
you know, their friends want to be. And then we would we would bring in stuff like pizza and we'd make it a really, really good time. The key above anything else, I think, and I'd love for Mandy to contribute her ideas, is once we could get them um, contributing in a way that it wasn't mom and dad's church, but it became mm-hmm. their church, that was the tipping point. It never yeah. went back. So all of my kids serve all of the time at the church. Like my younger ones will serve seven services and attend one. And we can't keep them away. If, we, if we're going to go on vacation, like, no, Dad, we don't want to miss church. And that's not that we did anything great as parents, but what we did is we helped create an environment where they got to contribute, and that created ownership. What, what mm-hmm. would you add or, or correct even? <laughs> yeah. I, I really do agree with all of that. And one thing that I really do appreciate is that I feel like growing up, my parents never told me that we have to make going to church a priority or you should read your Bible every single day or it's really important to tithe. But for them, it was really something that, first of all, they modeled. They just really have been Christ-centered just as a as a couple um, through their life and through the way they parented. But because of that, really, I, I mean, I saw the way that they led and they loved and um, you know, the Jesus that they had in them. So I think just intuitively, I wanted some of that too. And then when it came to being involved at the church, I mean, it, it wasn't something that we had to do. It's just something that we did and something that um, just, it just was a priority. And I agree that really I, you know, most of us started serving. And I think one thing that I love about um about the church is that it, I mean it has to be personal um, I think whenever you you do get involved and you do start serving and contributing I mean it, it can't be something that's coming from my dad or my mom it has to be coming from me and as soon as you start doing that as soon as you start you start contributing it, I mean it is something between you and God so I mean, it's both yeah. it's both a family mission and it's a personal yes. mission. Yep. And so I think that's the key. It, it, it is something that we do together, but they choose to do it on their own. And so it is more personal. Right. Something that we get to do, not that we have to do. Hey guys, I want to tell you about the last sponsor for this week, and that is Stamps.com. You know we love Stamps.com. I've actually been using them for like five plus years, even before they started sponsoring this show. Um, And they are really, really, really awesome, because basically we all know no one has time to go to the post office. If you're busy, it just feels like another chore, another errand, another thing. And Stamps.com eliminates all that by making you not have to make a trip to the post office, and they save you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. So if you don't know what they are, basically they bring all the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it with ease. Simply use your computer to print out official U.S. postage 24-7, any letter, any package, any class, anywhere you want to send. Um, And with Stamps.com, you get $0.05 off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail, uh, saving you time and money. So I want to hook you guys up. Get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in LAST, L-A-S-T-S, stamps.com, enter LAST. That's awesome. I mm-hmm. love that. I, I mean, a lot of stuff stuck out to me there. I feel like what I what I heard was um, to compel or kind of like make, make it alluring and compelling rather than forced, which I think you, that takes more work because you then as the parent have to set that precedent in that culture, make the culture actually alluring, not like, oh, this is the worst thing ever, but you need to do it, right? Whether that is the pizza night, whether that is all these things. And then also what I heard too is con- contribution over consumption, right? Mm-hmm. I think so many times we think consumption's the goal and the model, when if you actually want to level up times 10 in regards to your purpose and meaning and richness you get in your life, then actually go contribute to something, right? Actually go give back. Um, and a lot of times we feel uneasy about that, I feel like, with our kids because we feel like that sometimes can be, we get really sensitive to like overburdening them, making it difficult on them. And I, I'm like, yes, of course you can burden your kids and tax them out and burn them out. We get, hear a few stories of that. Um, and it's a bummer. But most of the time, if you lead with love and you lead with fun, right, and joy because God's way is joy, then you can actually do really, really hard things and it brings a lot, a lot of meaning, right? I'm even, right. I'm reading the John Adams biography right now. And obviously his son, John Quincy Adams became a president, you know, about 20 years later after him. And I'm just like, man, what parents called 
Like he's, he's 13 being sent to Russia by himself as a diplomat for his dad. Like when his dad's in like England, right? And I'm, we're talking before there's phone, like they didn't, a letter took six months. I just, it's mind blowing that like, man, a, a, a middle schooler, right? But he speaks four languages at that time. He's being sent there. Then he's a diplomat in Holland and then he helps his dad here. And it's just like, man, it's very clear that he was raised up in purpose and meaning and it's very clear from his own journal entries that he never felt taxed or burdened. And that was actually what shaped him be, to become, you know, what was it, sixth Powerful. or seventh president of the United States. So I love that. I feel like, man, that's super profound. How, and one word too, I heard too, is integrate, right? Whatever your job is as a dad, whether you're a corporate CEO, whether you're a pastor of a church, whether you're a freelancer, you work at home, integrate, push the children into the mission. Um, not like that's like everything has to be done together, but if you are a pastor of a church, then bring them on Saturday nights, bring the friends and make it fun, make it together. I love that. I love that. Um, Mandy, I'd love to ask you one question I thought was fun that we like to ask a lot of dads and then Craig, you can answer after is, um, what do you think we're really big on traditions and rhythms and rituals studying, obviously, whether it's, we talk a lot about Amish people, we talk about Jewish people. There's a lot of other people groups that very much do this well in regards to basically traditions and rituals and rhythms and holidays, et cetera, that form the family identity really strong. What do you guys think was your most family team forming ritual or tradition or rhythm? And it can be a small thing like a, you know, like, like the Saturday night pizza, it can be a big yearly thing you guys do, whatever it is. What are, what's some that stand out of just like, man, this really is something we did all the time that really formed the Groeschel identity. That's really good question. And a tough one, because I feel like our family has had a lot of different traditions over the years. And I think it changes in different seasons, especially with six kids and with, you, you know, just as you age, things change mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I, I've been thinking about this recently. We had a conversation just, I think, last weekend or the weekend before about some of those memories that we have as a kid that really stood out to us. And there's really so many things that come back. Um, I mean, like when I was really young, I really loved the family devos that we would do every week. And my dad would get super creative with games that we would do together and he would come up with these sayings to kind of reiterate a point. And as a young kid, that was really fun and really showed that following Jesus is fun from an early age. Then, you know, as we've gotten older, like teenage years and even moving into adulthood, it has just been having that consistent time together as a family, consistent time, attending church or serving together, having spiritual conversations around the dinner table. Um, I mean, there, there's so many things from the fun things like, you know, having our own versions of dodgeball and different games that we'd play that just make. What do you mean your own version? Is there like a special Groeschel way to play dodgeball? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's called G-ball. Oh, kickball is what I meant. No, yeah, not dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, it's called G-ball. And uh, we could tell you, but then we'd have to kill you because it is, it's a, uh -oh, it's like a Groeschel yeah. family it's, it's one of those ones where like yeah. Fight Club where one, one, you can only yeah. know about it once you're actually there, in it. There's probably almost no difference between kickball and G-ball, but the name G-ball made it our own. So I, right. I love that though. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I no. couldn't so, yeah, continue. The Sorry. Rules yeah. Because I only know the G-ball rules, so yeah. I don't know the difference. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, man, I'm glad she went first because I think she really hit the key. I don't think there there was ever a season where we didn't have some traditions, mm -hmm. but there, I don't think there is a tradition that's lasted the whole twenty something years. I think they, right. yeah, they, I think they had to change. And in some ways, I felt a little bit like a failure early on because like the family devos didn't stick, but I actually think looking back now, it's, it's really good they didn't because mm -hmm. the dynamics of our family changed. And so there were, there's probably a season of maybe eight or nine years where we did family camp every year. Mm -hmm. And then in some ways we outgrew that. We did um, story time and prayer time until we, we kind of outgrew that. Um, they did Bible time every day with um, with my wife Amy mm -hmm. for twenty. I mean, until they graduated, and so that that's something that did did stick forever. But I, I think the key was um, having the wisdom to age appropriately, change the traditions with the family as they as they grew. And the, I think the common denominator was doing stuff together and individually. Mm -hmm. It got tough with six kids because there's only one of me as a dad to go around yeah. six times. And, and the range is pretty wide of and the like what the, people enjoy. The range is wide, but uh, we try, I, honestly, I tried to do a lot of stuff that was really high touch. 
we had lots of wrestle games. We called it the escape game, where <laughs> I'd wrap them up and count, count to ten. They try to escape, and if not, they'd get. Tickled. There's no way people can get out of those guns. There's no <laughs> way. Can yeah, you get out? It, it, so I was in control the you whole lift. time. I know you lift protein shakes for days. There you go. <laughs> but uh, so so this day, I try to be real physical with all of them. Lots and lots of hugs. Yeah. And I think that leads to um, more conversations, and then just incredibly open. Like if I told you the conversation, what we talk about, the, the levels of intimacy, that it's, it's really pretty special. And so keeping, giving opportunities, and especially when they get over, older, it's, we talk when they're ready because they're not always ready. Mm-hmm. And they, they're usually ready at 1130 at night when we're ready to go to bed. But when they're <laughs> ready, it's time to, you know, you seize that moment. And so I, th- I I do think she's right. I it's love that. Lots of traditions, but but um, they're they vary season to season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm hearing a couple different things there again, and I think um, one thing that's and it's there's actually been some significant data on this that supports this studies and research that it's not a coincidence that most men, most males specifically, but obviously both genders for sure, that are in prison have a, had, when surveyed, a significant level of almost what they would call touch deprivation. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. no one hugged them. No one touched them. No one held their hand. No one loved them. No one, there was, there was, there was, they're isolated completely. Right. And then, um, and so I just think, yeah, like physical touch as a dad, like a dad being understand how to be gentle, how to be tender, how to wrestle, how to have all those different things, I think is really, really important. What would you say? How how do I say this? Um, what was I going to say? I'm ADHD, so it just kind of disappears sometimes. I was like, it was right there, and then now it's here. Yeah, while you're, um, while you're thinking of it, I will tell you what another dad said to me that was really valuable for my daughters. When they hit puberty, their bodies change, and so you tend to go, now this isn't a little girl, this is a little woman, and you often mm-hmm. pull back, and that's when they need appropriate physical touch as much as ever. Yes. So that, mm-hmm. that was a really that was helpful to me. Um, and so, I mean, I'm like, uh, just all the time, pulling them close, <laughs> hold, holding them. Exactly. I, you know, I want to make sure they know what it's like to be treated well from a man. And, and, and the great thing is now with a third daughter getting married, my first two and their third relationship, they, it really is incredibly healthy because I think they, we, we want to show it to them, let them see it modeled. And then it's so much easier than them having to correct a lot of wrongs. They obviously have to correct some and they want to differentiate themselves from us and be their own people. Yeah. But we want, to, we want to propel them out into adulthood with as much health as we can. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of this week's sponsors, and that is Audible Escape. You heard us chat about them last month. If you don't know what Audible Escape is, it's a monthly subscription that provides unlimited listening to thousands of love stories on Audible. Um, it's not even two years old yet, and there isn't anything else like it on the market. It's separate and distinct from the standard monthly Audible subscription, and you don't have to be an existing Audible member to sign up for Audible Escape. It's free to try for your first month, and then after that, it's $12.95 a month. And if you're already an Audible or a Kindle Unlimited member like I am, it's only $6.95 a month. So, there's a bunch on there, guys. To all the boys I've ever loved is on there. There's three in that series, by the way. Me and Alyssa were just saying how we think that kind of totally uh, is filling the void of the lack of rom-coms in today's kind of uh, culture. So to get Audible Escape and listen to unlimited love stories free for your first month, and then after that, get unlimited listening for just $12.95, download the app to explore the love stories by visiting audible.com slash life or texting love real life to 500 500 again that's audible.com slash love real life or text love real life to 500 500 i love that and i feel like that's so important and that's another thing too that we don't know yet because i have a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son and a four-week-old daughter but uh jeremy who also is who's our second half of kind of the family teams he interviews dads also as well for this podcast he's got you know 20 year old 19 year old etc and he says the same thing that there's this weird gap that dads really pull back on that puberty stage with women that's actually really, really um, detrimental and so to your kids. So stay involved, stay pursue, yep. pursue, love, engage, et cetera. What I'm hearing from you too is, and that you guys both seem to say happened well, is Craig, you and Amy, would pursue really well, it seems like, right? really be about the hearts, really be about what's going on. And I think um, even dads that are sometimes high-octane leaders, really, really successful at their jobs and in the boardroom, somehow seem to have that disconnect at home of like active heart level relational pursuit. You know, how, how did you cultivate that? How did you make sure that stayed in front of you as a high principle for the family? Um, and then <clears throat> Mandy, I'd love to hear too. How did that, did you feel that growing up? Did you feel like your dad was always there very close, very pursuant um, and what that did for you? 
One of the things that worked really, really well, and it was an accident, but we played this game all the time. It started when they were young, and it would, and we did it probably until they were 15 or 16. I'd ask them questions like, what's your favorite animal? What's your favorite number? What's your favorite <laughs> color? What's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite song? And then what I would do is, and they would, they would do this for hours and hours or a long time. And then I would say, what's your favorite thing to do with dad? And that's mm. when I would find the gold. And then I'd ask a few more random questions. And then what's your favorite thing you do with mom? And I would, then I would go report back to Amy and she would <laughs> always be surprised by what they said. And so- um, and what you thought might have been it wasn't it. it. Yes. Yeah. So what? So I was I was learning what mattered to them, and then I could ask, "What's the thing that makes you most afraid?" And when it was buried within twenty three other questions, then they talk about it. What's What's one thing you'd change about yourself? What's one thing that you wish were different wow. about our family? What's your favorite thing about our family? And then you know, questions. Yeah. About, if you lead with some of those, they'll just ice cold or something. It, yeah. And it, what it does is it just it creates a, it it kind of fostered real transparency. And we would do that a bunch. And that was one of the mm -hmm. tools that helped me to know where we were winning and then also gave them permission to get into some areas that we, they might not talk about otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so true that just asking... So did you know I was doing that? It, it, it's like, <laughs> like coming a ninja back move. to me as you're saying that. I remember the favorite game yes. and... I mean, asking questions like that, that's pretty early on. It, it, so start, it started out as just pure fun, the favorite game, but after a while, and it you start became, noticing like, oh, this is actually, it became, it became really helpful. Good this is an interview. Yes, it, it, became, it became helpful. Yeah, no, it's pretty long. That's a, that is a pretty distant memory for me, but I feel like it's kind of continued in other ways, though, as well, just that you have been really intentional about asking really good questions. And I feel like the the stereotypical question is like, how was your day? And then the kid's just like, <laughs> it was fine. What'd you do? I did school. You know, like kids don't, you know, it's just a very broad question that, that doesn't, yeah. doesn't usually lead to much. But I feel like that you and mom both have done a really good job asking very intentional questions ab about anything about our life. And, it, and I always have felt pursued in that way. I feel like all of my siblings would probably say that they've felt that. So there's, I, I can think of so many examples of the way that he um, has pursued relationships. Like one example is every year for our birthday, we would have like a birthday date where usually before that you'd ask some questions before that too. There's kind of that, um, <laughs> that question thing coming back and be like, who's your best friend right now? What's your favorite place to go out yeah. and eat? And every year you'd kind of see how it progressed. Usually you'd like film it so you kind of yep. see the progression. And then even then there are lots of intentional things like whenever one day you start dating, you need to make sure the dude opens the door and that he <laughs> says this and small things too. Like you shouldn't walk on this side, like, you know, all that protective side coming out. But Looking back, there's a lot of intentionality in all those conversations that, I mean, you know, I may not wow. have realized that was mm -hmm. the point until now. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I feel like I love, oh man, I love that. And the filming idea too. I feel like like uh, those questions once a year or something for comparison. I love that idea. Totally stealing that. Good. And yeah, one of, one of the biggest metaphors or analogies, I don't know, I went to public school, whatever the right word is, um, for parenthood we, or for fatherhood, we think on this podcast is coaching, right? Like it's, we, we kind of make this, this, this joke or this one line where we say, if, you know, Abraham were to show up today, the person he would most align with, I think in culture of like his counterpart as a patriarchal father that casts an enormous vision and then has a, na a nation of blessing come through him would be a Texas high school football coach, sadly not an American dad usually, right? Because Texas high school football coaches are patriarchs of the community. They're beacons, they're respected, they're honored. But on top of all that, what I hear you saying is they coach. Like they're so, it's every, like they ask a question here, they ask a question here, they give you little guidance all, all, all every day, all day, like tweak this, try this, you know, and all these little things. And I think fathers as coaches is such a really helpful model, I think for me, me to even think about it, man, that's, it's not just to bring home money, right? We're to actually coach our children and they're with us for decades <clears throat> before they leave into adulthood to actually have this opportunity. And we, we coach so well at work, right? We build teams at work, we coach at work, um, especially if we're in a skill that's kind of almost like apprentice-like where we're, we do it over seven years, you know, to pass the skill, electrician, woodworker. So I just like, man, that, that hearing that come out of what you guys are saying is re really cool. Um, Mandy, to ask you then a question that he, he kind of said, what, what would you say is some of your favorite things now to do with your dad or what you, you, you guys enjoy doing or hanging out together and doing? Yeah, I, we have 
usually a, a weekly family dinner that whoever can come will come over, and that's usually a highlight for me. Um, I don't know. I mean, I call my dad quite a bit. I think just with the whole question thing, I think, I don't know if all my siblings would feel the same way, but I feel like that's led me to really be comfortable and want to ask him a lot of questions. And um, my husband thinks it's funny how even how bold I will be with my questions sometimes and how I'll really kind of push <laughs> at him a little bit. I'm like one of the probably few people in his life that can be pretty bold in my questions. Yeah, exactly. Or, or bossy in your advice. Yes, or bossy in my <laughs> advice. Yes. So there's, yeah, someone needs to That's do awesome. it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How so, do you feel like, um, how do you guys all make time for each other with a family that big now with marriages um, and, and grandkids in the picture? How do you guys uh, make time for each other? Because I think sometimes the lie, which I always hear mm -hmm. a lot too, when I talk about wanting a big family is people just say, oh, you know, you'll just, you know, the bigger family you have, you see every, all of them for two minutes and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know about you, but subjectively, I com I, the, mo the, 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 the best parents I know have bigger families. So I don't know if that's just because they got forced into a trial by fire. When you have five kids, you have to figure out systems and things and ways to connect and nights. I don't know. And of course, there's amazing parents, you know, that have one kid. But I just, it, it is a pattern that I've seen in my life. But man, the most personal relate, like the ones that love each other so well and are so tight knit, usually are a little bigger. And so I just like, I just think that kind of takes away that lie. But how, how do you guys do that? How do you guys manage that? I, you know, to comment on what you just said, I think one of the reasons why, like, like a big family, you have to work hard on kind of creating family culture. And then what happens is the kids kind of perpetuate it, meaning Mandy yeah. really, Mandy and Katie helped disciple and train the younger kids in a way. So it was, yes. it was more like, in, like in, in the church, if we have a healthy culture that corrects wrong behaviors, and what we know is we know that you, you don't catch health, but you do catch sickness. So if we, you know, it can, sickness is contagious. So if we let the culture get sick, then it can spread quickly. So we work on it, kind of a healthy family culture. And then the healthy ones kind of help co coach the younger ones coming up. But as far as time that goes right now, Jeff, one of the things that Amy and I had to do is we had to change our standards of what we consider to be a great family win. Hmm. It, what we wanted is we visualized, you know, all six kids and spouses together every single week. And we realized that just doesn't happen that often. Yeah. And so what we want to do is we want to give the opportunity for it and whoever can be there, we embrace and celebrate. And so we're, we're going to be consistent in offering, but we're not going to be demanding. We're not going to make them feel guilty. And we're going to know that we're just not all going to be together as much as we'd like. One of the things I ask a couple of kind of dads that I really respect, um, people that all, almost all your listeners would know that really do have great families, what advice do you have in that whole thing? And we've done this now. They said, put a week on the calendar every year when you've got grown kids and say, this is the week we get together. And for, mm. so for us, it's fall break because all our youth pastors, you know, our grown married kids can get off then and such. And we rent a house somewhere and we say, you get there, we're covering everything. I know financially not everybody can do that, but yeah. you know, you might say this weekend every year is family weekend somewhere. So we're at least going to put that on the calendar. And then every, every week um, we have a night set aside that's now with the grown kids. This is family night. If you can come, great. If you can't, it's okay. Yeah. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of this week's sponsors again, and that is ZipRecruiter. You know we love ZipRecruiter. We've talked about them before. And if you are a small business owner or anyone who has to hire, you know hiring is challenging and it's difficult and it's hard to find qualified candidates. It takes a long time and all these different things. And that's where ZipRecruiter comes in. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. It's really, really awesome. They're so effective, actually, that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Super cool. So right now, I want to hook you guys up. You guys can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive uh, URL. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash real. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash real, R-E-A-L, ZipRecruiter.com slash real. Yeah, what I'm hearing is weekly rhythm and yearly rhythm, and it doesn't have to be every day, all day, but um, yeah, I think that's huge. You know, we, we do this thing called a family summit where we get away one. I mean, our kids are toddlers, so it's not like, you know, it's hard to, we, they're right there. But, uh, but yeah, f almost setting with the precedent and the vision of 20 years from now. And like, again, Jeremy, who does the other half of this podcast, you know, with adult kids, you know, it, it is a, it is a, 
you know, and his grandparents li- li- live around them and near them. Like it's a, they do a whole thing every year where it's, yeah, a lot of people and it takes a lot of work and energy, um, but they do it. They prioritize it. They look back on the year, they reflect, they look yep. at their mission. How are they doing, et cetera. And so I think that's um, uh, brilliant. So Mandy, do you have anything to add on that one or anything of how you guys work together? I, and actually, I think it's a good tension and question. How with marriage? Because I know marriage, there's a level at which, yeah, you're in this family, but then also starting at some sense, a new iteration marriage, leaving and cleaving? How have you kind of walked through that? When it comes to just finding time together, when it comes to culture? Yeah, just navigating. I think navigating, yeah, making sure you're spending time with your family here, prioritizing your marriage, stuff like that. Right. Yeah, it definitely has been something that we slowly do have to learn. And and then around times like the holidays, we're having to learn how every single holiday, figure out what that looks like. But I, I think that we just... We, we just know as a, as a family, for me and my husband James and for, for my, my family, my parents and my siblings, just spending time together is a priority and it's not always going to, it's not always going to look the same, but we, we make it a priority to go up um, and spend time with my husband's family. And then, I mean, maybe once a week, every other week, it's just, it's, it's something that matters to us. It's something that we value. So we, we just find the time um and it yeah it's not always consistent but it's just you know you make time for things that you value and i think it's just as as simple as that yeah that's really good that's really good i want to transition to talk about um your health journey and how you guys walk through that as a family but one one last question i want to talk about in this kind of space craig and or actually both of you guys i'd love to hear is um Again, there's we get so many messages in here once in the parenting space of people in ministry that really struggle with that tension, family, church, etc. Um, and I think there's a sliver that sometimes it is a little idolatrous in the sense of like the work is really what's giving them their identity, etc. But for the most part, we hear from people that like they love their family, they want to be with their family. It's just the tension of like, man, just I only got so many hours in the day. I have a job that has a ta- that has a to-do list. I have a family. I have toddlers. You know, diapers. Just everything's just really stacking up. How did you? I'd love to hear, like, did you have any safeguards or just kind of like really hard boundaries, really hard rules to not let kind of work creep into the family, if that makes sense, or not just because I feel like a lot of times the reason sometimes dads can make that shift subtly is because it just feels more pressing. Mm-hmm. It just it just feels a little bit more in front of us than, you know, oh, I'm, these kids are here for 20 years, so I can do that tomorrow or next, you know, et cetera. So how, how have you walked through that? Yeah, so Jeff, the, the church I served at before Life Church was a fantastic church, but honestly, the culture of it, we worked so hard in such um, odd hours that it was really, really hard on families. So I had the, uh, the benefit of starting Life Church, and so I got to kind of create the culture hmm. from the very beginning. And so I know not everybody does, but... I just decided, you know, I'm going to work really, really, really hard during certain hours, but I'm going to guard the boundaries like crazy. And so for me, I will, I'll start as early as, um, I, I'll be up at the office, you know, 4.30 in the morning, 5, 6 o'clock. Is 4.30? What some, are you, Mark uh, Wahlberg? That's a rare... Have, you, seen, a rare, have a rare, you seen his workout schedule he posted? He gets up at like 2 yeah. and does all these things. I'm like, that's yeah, crazy. It's, it's You're not, the Christian Mark Wahlberg four, with those 4.30 is rare, but 6 a.m. is not. And so I'll start early. early, but I leave every day by 3.30 and I'm done. I go to the gym and then I'm home night after night after night after night. And it's that's a cool. rare night that I'm doing church stuff. I might, after the kids go to bed, I might work a little bit or whatever, but it's just, it's a rare, rare night. Um, I do have Saturday night church, but like I said, that's, that's time for the kids. How did you, how did you do that when you felt like you couldn't get all that you needed to get done? I mean, obviously, you know, and that's what I love about and why I want to interview is, you know, one of the biggest, most healthy, successful churches in the nation. Not only that, the new version, the Bible app, like there has to be a level at which just more work always needs to be done and you can't do it. How did you, how did you get to do well, that? Here, here's the misunderstanding is, so if I, let's say I had an open-ended end of the day, then what I would do is I'd work a little slower. I'd do a little more. I wouldn't make the decisions. It's kind of like Jeff, if, let's say, let's say you're going to go to Hawaii. Oh, I forgot you live in Hawaii. Gosh. Okay, let's say, let's say, <laughs> not I, bad. let's say hey, I'm, I'm going to go, the Lord over here. let's say I'm going to go to Hawaii and I'm going <laughs> to leave on Wednesday. Uh, yeah. Somehow magically, I'm going to get all my work done for that week. Somehow, if I'm leaving mm-hmm. early, I get it all done. And the reason is that that deadline made me delegate stuff I shouldn't do, made me make faster decisions, uh, made me say no to things I shouldn't have done. The deadline made me better. So I am absolutely and completely convinced that an artificial deadline to the end of my day actually makes me more productive than if I had an open in a, in a day. So I think I can I produce that. more by 3.30 
than most people would produce by staying till 536, seven o'clock at night. I think it makes you sharper. Um, and then the other thing is too, you just like in ministry and, and you know, a lot of dads maybe that aren't in ministry, they have jobs like this where it's never, ever, ever done. And it just isn't. And so you have to realize, um, so, someone told me this ministry is a marathon, not a sprint. I want to hmm. play that way. I, I want to be, I want to live it such a way that I can do this for 20, 30, 40 years. Not, I can do it great for five years and then I burn out and, and um, fall apart. So it's, it's just, to me, it's being smarter. And then you come in the next day healthier. I could burn myself out week after week. And then several years into it, I wouldn't be as good. So I think, um, I think these rhythms actually make you more productive, not less productive. Mm-hmm. And then having the family where you want it is special. Having your marriage, um, not perfect, but intimate and strong, makes you better at work. You want to see me fall apart, just watch my marriage get compromised, and I'll never mm. be as good here. And so it kind of compounds together toward um, productivity, toward joy, toward health, toward intimacy, toward meaning, mm. toward richness, which makes everything better versus working really hard, neglecting the kids, kid problems, marriage problems, financial problems, stress, temper, short-sightedness. Yeah. And, and so to me, it's they compound in the right way or the wrong way, depending or on... Or the wrong way. Someone who's in that cycle that you just said, what would you kind of say to them as how to bust out of it? Maybe first thing they should think about or consider? I, I'd, say, I'd say this, that, that it, a small tweak probably is not going to make the difference. You're, you're smart dads. If, um, if a small tweak would have made the difference, you would have done it a long time ago. I generally say you have to do something significant, something dramatic, and that might be a real change in the way you think. What I want to do is I, 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 would surround, I would go find some people that are doing it right and then let them jar you. Let, let, look at it and say, that, you know, that doesn't seem to make sense to me, doesn't all add up, and let them jar you out of where you are, kind of give you what, what I call the gift of disorientation. Like, okay, I'm so hmm. dis- I don't even know the questions to ask yet. And, and to see a different way of thinking, and then most likely it, it would be, you know, if you're working until 8, 9 o'clock at night, the idea of going home at 3.30 would sound undoable, sound crazy. And so I kind of wanted to push you. Could you be more productive with a totally different way of thinking? And ultimately, it's kind of like financially. If you make bad decisions today, they compound to bad decisions later. If you make good decisions today, 20 years from now, you've got a lot of flexibility. If you're not investing in the places that matter most, then over time, you're going to have a negative return with your family that's going to hurt and drag and make it's going to make any type of worldly success empty because you're missing that thing that you're craving most. On the other hand, if you invest in your family, your marriage, your kids and again not perfect but they're healthy, then that takes any other kind of success and it makes it a thousand times more special because you're doing it from a place of strength and health. I think that's really good. And and Mandy, I want to hear your perspective, but one thing I thought of too real quick is yeah, I just think that's so true. And I, we had to learn that. I had to learn that myself being little, and not everyone has this freedom of schedule as we do as more artists, writers, YouTubers, et cetera, me and Alyssa, but there's also cons to that. And one of them was when we first got married, I just thought I had to work nine to five because that's what people do, you know? And then like the baby's crying in the other room and it's like, ah, I'm trying to write, and you, you know, and all these <laughs> things when I'm like, you know, um, I just realized too, especially with writing, like I fade out, like a mental, like kind of more like creative thought is like 11 AM I'm done. Right. And so then I just start pushing my hours early and earlier where, yeah, I get up at four now and do my best work from four to eight. And that's a half a day, you know, that's, that's a full half day for people. And I'm, I, you know, and wrote some stuff this morning, edited some book edits, um, so that I can help with the family, but also cause it's more clear for my work and not everyone has the flexibility there, but I just agree with you that I learned when I like not to push your limits, but push you can be more productive than you think. And you, once you reach that threshold, you'll know. And then if you go yeah. past it, you burn out. And if you stay right there, it's healthy and it's good, but you have to kind of push yourself with like, I want to get X done in this time. Right. Yeah. All, um, our, all hours aren't created equal. You could, you could work from exactly. Two, you, I learned could, that the hard way. You could start at two in the afternoon and work for four hours and you might produce one tenth of what you did during the yes. four to, or earlier season. I yep. agree with that. And that's so true. So, um, but yeah, Mandy, what would you say? Did you feel that growing up that like that, uh, you guys were a priority? I mean, obviously I know, but <laughs> how did it feel? What was that journey of like prioritized felt like, man, he really had these hard boundaries. Cause to me, I feel like I interpret that as man, there's a lot of intangibles in this world right. of like, where you can't put your exact finger on it, but you just know like, Oh, they, I am like not number one to them, but you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a priority and like we, this, my, you know, our, my parents' marriage matters. We matter. How, how did that feel? Right. 
one thing that I think that my dad has done incredibly well at modeling is, and I might be stealing a quote from him saying this, but he <laughs> says, <laughs> he says no to a lot of things in order to say mm. yes to the most important things. Is that your quote? I probably copied it from Jefferson. But <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, that is, but, it's true, though. It's true. Yeah. Everything, it's, every no is a yes. Every yes is a no right. to something else, et cetera. Yeah. And yes. that's huge. So whenever he does say yes, though, you know, obviously you have to say yes to things, and there are really important things in life and in ministry that he does say yes to. And I think about kind of my, like, the early days of my life growing up, some of the things that he did whenever he would say yes to extra things, like things that would go into our typical like family evening time, whether that be uh, doing mar- weddings and uh, marrying people or going and, you know, traveling and doing conferences. There are a lot of really intentional things that I feel like they would do for that. Sometimes you would kind of explain a little bit what you'd get to do and how, you know, God was moving and people's lives were being changed. But also, even when we were really young, there were some some of those traditions that we had, like he'd come back from trips and he'd always bring us a Beanie Baby. So we collect Beanie Babies <laughs> back when those were you a thing. You got to eBay those things. Those yes. things were killer back in the day. Yes. And that was expensive back then. Those were like six they months each. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, then it, I mean, it turned Gold. into Webkins. Then it turned into, you know, coming back from Catalyst and bringing merch, you know, as we're getting older. So that's it'd cool. be like, oh, we get to be a part of this with you and we're excited that you get to do this. But, you know. And he's we, thinking of you when yes. he's gone. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, there's lots of intentionality there. And I, um, for me in my life now, like dealing with chronic illness, I really have had to learn to say no to a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot about the way he's demonstrated that it's, I mean, it's become a, his example has really helped me in that area. So, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's incredible. And I think, let, let, let's talk about that then, because I feel like that's, even I, even I thinking about it makes me even a little emotional because I feel like you guys, you walked through the, the, well, first of all, share a little bit more about the health journey, but then two, you guys making it public, walking through it so faithfully, so gently. How did, how did you guys do that? And, and I think specifically what I noticed from afar, even when, you know, I knew about it, I think a little earlier, just with texting with your dad is like how it went to when that we prayed for you guys and we did and have continued to Thank is you. how you guys, you guys unified in it so well. And even the way your dad would like text me about or talk to me about, I feel like it was so like a covering and like a, we're in this together. The Groeschels are a team. We're a unit. It's not you going through it alone. How did you guys kind of do that? How how did you, and how did, how did that feel? I think we had to learn to do it because first of all, we didn't think it would last. Right. You know, Hmm. we thought it would be two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months, three months, and, and it would pass. And when it didn't, was that discouraging when it kind of wouldn't go away? Oh, for sure. I mean, when you get sick, you expect it to go away. That's usually <laughs> how it goes. So, I mean, it's interesting you, you ask about like what that's like bringing it public because I did not want it to be public for a while hmm. um, or for, like really for the first six months. And part of that was like, I'm just going to deal with this. I'm just going to endure it. Like, oh, you know, it's been a couple months, but I'm going to heal quickly. Um and then when it didn't, it was like, okay, God, what are you trying to do? And that really changed the conversation. And it, it's been a process. But it, so what do you feel like when that turned? When, you, when that turned, what do you feel like you learned? Or what was that changing, like being a little bit more public with it and other people knowing the church supporting you, praying for you guys? What did, what did you learn there? Or why was that hard or any, any of the, that area? Yeah. So for me, that happened whenever I had to stop uh, working at the church. And that was a very, very challenging point for me because... Um, it didn't just feel like I was leaving my job. It was like, I'm losing my purpose and what I felt called to do and I love to do. Um, so it was like, I obviously, God, you're doing something and I know you work all things together for good. So um, really quickly, I was like, I know things in my life need to change. Um, whew, take a deep breath. Um, but <laughs> I, I talk about... No, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, no, for sure. It's It's funny because I... I talk about my health all the time and do that on YouTube and usually don't get emotional about it, but it's so much harder when you're in front of a parent. So um, totally. that happened when I did a podcast with my mom, it was the same thing. Um, but so I meant, I said earlier for a while, it was like, I was just trying to endure, get, you know, just get through the sickness, like it'll go away. And then it doesn't. Um, and really whenever I got to that point where it's like, things need to change, I realized I needed to make the, um, the change is start embracing it. 
And a lot of people might think that sounds um, a little crazy. It's like, why would you embrace something that's so hard or painful or scary? But um, for me, like that's, that's where God really starts to work when you say, I know like, I know you work things all, all things together for good. And I know you have, I believe that I'm going to be healed and I, I'm getting there. But in the midst of that, I don't want to just have to wait until this is over for God to do you know, to work through. I believe he can work now. And I had no idea how widespread and, and, you know, rampant chronic illness is. But whether or not people are dealing with chronic illness, people are dealing with all kinds of stuff in general. You know, everyone has really, really hard stuff in life. And um, it was, for me, kind of a, it, it was, God prompted me to start making YouTube videos. And that's when I started sharing it. My family were pretty shocked because I was a very, very she, private person. Yeah, that's not, that. reserved. That's, that's yeah, not her, expect that. that's not her personality at all. No. So I think, I think we haven't talked about this, but I think that to me is the key of how mostly you, but us together as a family have gotten through it is, is that you turned it into a ministry. Mm -hmm. And so the very thing that's hmm. difficult for you is now has purpose and meaning because you're helping so many people. And I, I can't go anywhere without hearing people tell me, tell your daughter, Mandy, <laughs> thank you, because Aww. I watch her YouTube videos and it's like, it's helping a lot, a lot of people. And so I think that's, you know, and that's one reason I'm so proud of her is because what, what otherwise would be a massive setback and just everyday pain is now is a mission helping other people. Hmm. Mandy, what did it feel like? Um, what did you feel like most helped you from your family, your husband, marriage? How did how did your kind of support system? What did they do that was really helpful and encouraging? And how did um, yeah how did how did it feel? Because like I said, from the outside, it really seemed like you guys um, had such a unified front on it, and you guys suffered together. And I think, man, so many people have to suffer alone, and that's almost one of the I'm parts. Gonna I'm gonna suffer alone and suffer without meaning, uh -huh. and those are two things that you seem you know. I'm going to let her answer that, but I'm going to first say we had to learn um, to stop doing things that weren't helpful, and hmm. that was a and so she had to help us because we had no idea and how how often we would actually get it wrong. So you can answer the question, but I wanted to start there. I'd love to hear that then too. What what, probably, what did they get wrong, and then also how did they help? Yeah, I I don't know if you did that many things wrong. It's it's interesting because a lot of people just don't really know what to do around this subject of chronic illness. People yeah. really, they understand like, oh, you've got a broken leg. I know how to help that. Even, oh, you have cancer. Like, I understand that. I know how to kind of come around you. And um, it, a lot of people just don't really know uh, what to do with chronic, with chronic illness. A lot of people want to give advice or, um, you know, they have a lot of opinions um, and or ask you how you're feeling every single day, and well, people don't think about how. So it's a little more invisible. Years. There's a lot of different yes. frameworks for it, meaning like yes. whether it's chronic illness, autoimmune. There's, I yes. think it was Daniel Walker even said on our podcast, there's like 600 different autoimmune diseases, chronic illness, chronic right. pain, a different category. Like it's it's a little harder for people to have a framework to yes. know what to, how to talk about it or talk to you about it. Yes, for sure. So. But I could see that being difficult because then you're like, that's not helpful. That's not me. Right. Or, yeah. And I'm yeah. so, so thankful that I am one that my family has believed me because it is heartbreaking. I, mean, I get comments all the time on my YouTube channel of my doctors don't believe me. They think it's all in my head. My family, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. My spouse think I'm just, just being lazy. So, um, I mean, that it's horrible that that's such a common thing, but, um, I mean, I've just been like believed the whole time, um, but I don't know about support, just prayer, being there, finding anything. I think that the challenging thing is um, I, I don't always know how to ask for support. And a lot of times it's like, oh, tell me if you need anything. Yes. And it's very challenging to know. So a couple, couple things I learned, se several things. One is no oh, man, that's the story of my marriage right there. I asked yeah. Alyssa, you need anything? Yeah. She says, no. I said, cool, I'll ask you next year. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, just let me know if you're like, well, right. then yeah. what? You're like mad and what happened? And <laughs> yes. What? Like, I asked you. Right. Man, you have to keep initiate. going. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So, so I learned not to say, like, how are you doing? But you know, like, hey, tell me about some wins you've had recently. Mm -hmm. And oh, that's good. That's, that gives her a chance to talk about what's because it's right. not, it's not going well a lot. And then, um, not trying to solve problems or put pressure on her to get better well, but quickly, but just kind of saying, hey, we're in this journey forever. And then Mandy is probably like a lot of people, hey, if we can do anything, let me know. And she's not going to say anything, but 
and so we assumed a lot was being done, but she can't clean her house. Her husband's working a lot. So, hey, can we come yeah. over and do this for you? And we probably need to do even more of that, but initiating actual things to help yeah, it matter a lot. That's a really good point. Yeah. And, and there's a history in my family of mom was misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia, but it's hurt similar enough where that's why she was misdiagnosed. My sister's right. similar. So in my family's history as well. And it's, it's very, I don't think people realize because it's so invisible how just pain 24 seven, you can't like to walk around the block is difficult to do right. X, Y, and Z is difficult. Things that people take for granted and are very normal, which then kind of piles up and feels very mm -hmm. difficult. We took the, uh, we took the elevator down one floor to come to do this podcast just to keep her from walking a flight of stairs. That's how, that's how he's, it is. He's yeah. being a little overprotective there. I'll be okay with one flight downstairs. But. No, but it is true. What do you feel like? So here's a question then for yeah. you. What being, and someone who talks about it now publicly, what, what do you feel like serves you the most? Or what do you feel like now people that the community you're creating and the tribe you're commuting online what do you feel like, yeah, kind of what we're talking about, but what's a common misconception that you feel like maybe would be not that helpful or, or, or you'd love people to stop doing to you or something like that, you know? Yeah, I I did a whole video on all kinds of things of what not to say to people with yeah. chronic illness. So, um, I mean, I think it helps a lot when you do understand what is going on. I remember when someone told me they had fibromyalgia and I was like, I don't know what that is or really what that means. I didn't know the right questions to ask or the right things to say. So I totally understand that. And I don't want to put anything on anyone that, you know, it's like, oh, you, you just don't understand because really it's very challenging to understand. Um, yeah. And I think that's just the biggest thing. And this, this applies to parenting too, whether or not it's chronic illness, but just seeking understanding before seeking to be understood. I think that's mm. one thing that's challenging is when people say like, oh, well, have you tried drinking herbal tea? And have you checked your vitamin <laughs> D levels? And when they really don't even know like what is going on and what yeah. um, the challenges are, or when it comes to knowing how to support, it's like, oh, well, you know, let me know if you need anything when you, you could ask like, like, hey, what's, you know, what, what's been challenging? Like, how does this affect your life? Like, oh, like you have a hard time cleaning your house. Like, can I come over on this day and yeah. really initiating that? That's good. Initiation, yeah. specificity, I think. I think mm -hmm. you're right. And I've seen that as well in <clears throat> my family. I think, I, I like what you said though too. And I think you're right too of like, letting and don't see this in you at all but sometimes in the community of like um can almost be a resentment of oh you don't understand me you can't understand me right. and there's and then there's a wall gets put up there when i think any type of suffering almost creates any type of trial any type of hardship difficulty kind of creates for it to flourish or have meaning or go well almost creates like a mutual humility has to really draw both you into like a, a, you know, like we're trying to figure this out together, understanding humility and love. But then also, like you said, 100% people being specific with how they can serve and help you people asking to understand rather than assuming they know all the answers or have Googled it for five minutes and, right. you know, right. So, <laughs> yes. um, or watched a YouTube video, unless it's yours, then it's probably the best. So, um, yeah, oh, so that's, what I, that, that's, that's really helpful. And that's really good. Um, we got just a few more minutes here. What, Thank you for sharing, by the way. I really, really appreciate that. I really appreciate you being vulnerable. On the podcast, I think encouraging, we have dads ranging because Jeremy's family is older, mine's younger. We have dads ranging from my age all the way up to 40s, 50s, 60s, a lot of people listening. And I'm sure in anyone's family, there's so many variances where I think that will be encouraging mm -hmm. and inspiring to, to a lot. And so thank mm, you, thank for, you for sharing that. Um, one, 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 couple more questions, but one last one I really wanted to ask you, Mandy, is what's one thing your parents did when you were younger that you hated that you now look back and loved that they did it right oh, whether man. again that's a rule that's a tradition a thing uh a no they said one time whatever but now you look back and say yes i'm really glad they did that we did that or that they said that etc or set that boundary or that rule that's a really good question i don't know if you you'd be able to help me see if i could you could help me think of something on that i I feel like maybe my other siblings may have more because I feel like I was a pretty like accepting Everything child. Everything you knew was just like gold. <laughs> You're like, oh, my dad is a global yeah. leader. This is incredible advice. No. I'm going to listen to everything. There's nothing he says I don't like. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely some things <laughs> that, <laughs> that in the moment was like, okay, this is kind of annoying. Like, like we talked about the family devos. We tried to do that more when we got older. And then it was like, come on, like we can have our own spiritual development. We don't need to try to force this. So <laughs> but, but I do appreciate it now. It's like, you know, we had that time together. 
but yeah. The, so this this may not be, this hurt me was when um, at our house with six kids is every person for themselves when it comes to food. If you're late, you don't eat. Sometimes you, you know it's, it's gone, and we we overlooked you for a meal a couple of times, As multiple times, multiple or you times. leave me at restaurants in the bathroom multiple times. I mean, you didn't <laughs> actually. Leave. But you look back and yes, love that you now. You actually leave, but you just. Forgot, but <laughs> so I didn't incredible. forget. <laughs> so yeah, so you would kind of blend in sometimes. I think that was, uh, but that, that that's not something you appreciate now. That's something that you probably, no. you probably still, still need counseling for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. Craig? Is there anything you can think of of just like yeah, a rule or something you feel like, man? I'm really glad I held mm-hmm. firm there. Like I'm really yeah. glad that man, there was some tension there, but I'm really glad that I re- me and Amy really stayed the course there because I think right. that's another thing too. I would talk here a lot from dads is. I think so many times we let our kids be our own feedback loop when, of course, you need to be sensitive to hearts and how things are doing, et cetera. But there are some right. times you've got to have the 20-year vision that the child doesn't. For so sure. So any, anything where that stands out for either of you? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I think maybe my other siblings may have resented some of the rules more. Like me and my older sister, Katie, we really just embrace the, um, you know, being anti-conformist and doing things differently and being weird. And so I think that there were some, <laughs> um, some, you know, like boundaries and rules that we maybe have around media or, you know, we would growing up be really careful about modesty and um, you know, certain things or even even ones. dating. Um, yeah. And and like we really, I, I, I really embrace a lot of those things and really appreciate those. And a lot, a lot of them were even like, hey, this is a rule. It was more just like, here's our values and our standards. So here, here's some things that evolved that might be helpful. Mm-hmm. We, we really taught early on that hey, look at what normal is. Yes. Normal is broke. Normal is spiritually dead. Normal is divorced. Normal is lacking trust, lacking intimacy. We don't want what's normal. We want, and so no, to, to have something different, we have to be different. And so the older kids really, really embraced that. And then we had, so we created some different uh, values and some parameters that, that I think were helpful. Over time though, when they became more law rather than spirit, I think that became a little bit dangerous to the other ones coming up. So one way we've changed now is we don't parent with one size fits all, meaning uh, we were trying to be real consistent. Okay, you get a mobile phone at this point, but and you get one. So you get one at the same age. Right. Actually, no, you're very different kids, and so you're you may be the same age as your older sibling that got one, but you're not ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what we've done is we've been less legalistic on rules and more parenting to this particular child than yes. we did in the past. And so we don't. It, it's life's not fair. You, someone else may have gotten yes. this and you're not going to get it because of whatever. And you may get more of something because you've earned it. Yeah. And that yep. that's what I would consider more of a recent evolution in our theory of parenting because it's always evolving that I actually think has been helpful. And so mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's really good. And, yeah. And we talk about that a lot, that fair is kind of a lie and an illusion and you try to really, you're trying to shove a inherently evidential unfair thing because you got older kids and younger kids and genders and grades and like nothing is the same and you try to equalize that and you're shoving it into something that it just can't fit into and the thing we didn't recognize early on is that the younger kids would want to differentiate themselves from the older kids so that's what Hmm. mandy and katie did so we're going to do the opposite and what we realized is kind of our sounds like me our bet yes i was the youngest i did that exactly and so we (laughs) we didn't necessarily see that coming and so we have different strategies to parenting those kids now. And what used That's to be good. what used to be stricter boundaries now I would say are more customized boundaries mm-hmm. and customized really freedoms. Good. Right. Yeah. And I and I think that I th- I think I love that because and we talk about that here too of like that it takes a little more work, but in some level, like your parent you're almost a different parent to each kid. Because yes. you right. want to try to coach them and meet their needs and serve them and help them and shape them and mold them and guide them. And they're all different, right? They're all different. And so what, what's their currency? What do they like? What do they enjoy? What, is, yes. what, what hurts all them? What pun- doesn't hurt them? Do they, yeah. All these things are so different. And the one size fits all. Sometimes, I don't know this yet, but I've heard from other dads we've interviewed, it can kind of sometimes usually leave one or two kids hanging. You know, it can kind of like really just doesn't work for them, doesn't fit for them. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good but point. And we it, talk about that too with the coaching and the team mentality, the idea of fair. Like you never... Like you just never see that on any sports team, right? No one, that's not even, it's not like a 
that word doesn't exist in that world because that's not what teams do, right? Teams are meant to like win a championship and there's play your position and do this and do the drills. And, and so I feel like it's, yeah, when you understand that, then again, you get back to the purpose and the meaning of it. Who am I? What am I? What's my position on the team? Um, and of course, there's a level of fair, which equals justice, which I think is different. That's a different, that fair, I think is needed. So, okay, to end, we do one kind of fun question. What, um, what are you guys both loving right now that is free? Now, that could be something that someone bought you that they gave you, like a book or something. Um, it could be a walk in the park, whatever. For me, it'd be the beach because we do live in Maui. And so I had to say that. Um, it is free. Thank you, Lord. But yeah, what's something, what's something free that both you guys are enjoying right now? So with Amy, uh, walking is kind of like our most, uh, I don't know, that just, our marriage is built around walks and talks. And so we do that hmm. as often as we can. I think with family, um, that would be free. I, I don't know. I think just, I, we have lots of like couch talks when they come mm -hmm. over and, and, uh, and just sitting down and like all the kids get together. We kind of talk ministry more than anything else. Like mm -hmm. since all the <laughs> kids cool. are involved in the church, they tell us what we're doing wrong, leading it, what we should do better, how our <laughs> merchandise stinks and is cooler at other churches, why our social media needs to be better, who's, who's <laughs> killing it, what they would do if they were running it, how they preach, you know. And I like that. It's, it's kind of I love that. What's well, that mission thing again? You guys are on mission together. Yep. So you're going to talk about the mission. You know, I love that. Mandy, what would you say? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, I would agree on the personal relationship level. That's definitely something that I, I love. I mean, for free, I just love learning. I love podcasts. So it's fun that's to get to one. be on this that's podcast. Really I don't know. I feel like that's like a bad one to say, because if you're listening to this, you probably like podcasts too. But I feel like all day oh, yeah, I true. just... I listen to podcasts. It is, it is amazing free. what you can get, like you that can people have access to your mind all the time on podcasts. That is, is one of the, it really is, it's a great <laughs> to time their to detriment, be alive. To their detriment. There's no excuse for not absorbing learning. It, yeah, there's so I mean, much out there. So and much you can out find there. It in five yeah. minutes. What, what's some of your favorite podcasts right now? What are you listening to? Yeah, I listen to a lot of nutrition and health and wellness podcasts. So. Oh, you, you missed a chance to serve yeah, well, your no, dad. Well, no, I'm going to as well. No, yeah. then I also listen to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. That's right. But I really best. do. So do you really? I, I really do. Okay. And it's so, so valuable. And I love, I love Andy Stanley's leadership stuff too. Um, yeah, I, there's, I listen to some controversial ones I'm not going to say. Of my dad. Hey, no, you say it. Bring it. This 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 show, it's allowed. Unless yeah. you don't want to like say it, but I'd love to hear it. I think I've listened to a couple of those recently. Like I'm I'm hearing more bad words per minute on some of the podcasts I'm listening to than in the past. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mean yeah. like that type of controversial or controversial on the topics or what? Both and just in like theology and yeah. I'll, I'll no, I love that. But That's how it should be, man. I <laughs> I, I try to advocate for people. Listen to everything and anything. And then just realize what sucks, right? right. I feel like so many times we get in like, oh, only read this. If I only listen to people that agreed with exactly what I agreed with, then I would only listen to me, but I wouldn't even listen to me last year. So I couldn't, like, right. it doesn't right. make sense. Doesn't even make sense, right? Right. So that's good. I feel like I love, I'm loving Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, mm -hmm. Revisionist History. That's a great one. Um, I kind of like the more like in NPR, This American Life. I love those mm -hmm. ones that are really heavy storytelling, investigative. So that's a good one though, podcast. I, I like that. And then Couch Talks. So all right, guys. Well, anything, any final thoughts, anything you want to push them to? One thing I do want to say, dads listening, make sure to go listen to Craig's Leadership Podcast. Thank it you. is incredible. It is just distilled gold over decades that he drops in there, and it's incredible. So make sure to go listen to that. Um, and then I think, even speaking of you guys' a story, wouldn't Hope in the Dark apply here, too, to go read that? But yeah, what, what would you sure. say how they can find you guys, both you guys, YouTube, et cetera, and um, yeah, where they can go. Yeah, look up uh, Man Mandy Meehan on YouTube and on social media, and uh, she's doing a really good job ministering. And I'm at craigrochelle.com or life.church. And and thank you to you. Uh, your your content is a massive blessing to us personally. Our whole church, I love that you know we've had you here to preach for us. Mm -hmm. And your books are a gift. Your YouTube videos are a gift. Your podcasts are amazing. And I'm just waiting for you to invite us to come see you. I don't, I've, I've had you to my house, but you haven't had me to yours, Jeff. I know, right? I know, no. You open invite. Next time we do the podcast number two, you guys can come out here we'll and do it here live in Maui. I've actually been experimenting with that. The podcast is growing. And you know, some people do like those live podcast shows where yep. they do one recording, mm -hmm. like in a theater. It'd be fun. We should do that. And you guys can both be guests. But Excellent. hey, thank you guys so much for being on. Really appreciate it. And love you guys. Hey, thanks. Love mm -hmm. you too, man. Thank you. All right, guys, that's all we have for today's episode. 
Remember, you have what it takes as a father equipped by the Holy Spirit to lead your family as a multi-generational team on mission. And as always, remember to let us know what you thought about today's episode at Family Teams on Instagram, at Family Teams on Facebook. Search for us there, easy to find, and you will find us. And let us know what you thought, whether something that stood out, something that was encouraging, or some feedback you would like to give us. All right, have a great rest of the day.